when I was at East Carolina, I got this giant package, heavy package, with all this Japanese writing on it, and I opened it up, and it was, it was from one of my college teammates, and he goes, came across this and thought you'd enjoy it. And uh, so every four years, I'll, I'll break it out. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, but you don't know how he came across it. Uh, I think he probably bought it off the black market. <laughs> may have gotten it off the black market over there. Welcome to the What the Elwood podcast. We talk about Longwood athletics with the people who make it what it is. Players, coaches, staff, supporters, and even some wild cards. But thankfully, this is edited, so no worries. I'm your host, Longwood Radio play-by-play man Darius Thigpen. This is What the Elwood podcast is a space where we can bring Lancer Athletics a little bit closer to you. Cups up, takes the rip, and it finds the back of the net from the top of the box. A left-footed beauty off of the foot of Emily Cups up makes it 2-0 Longwood. All right, so for episode two of our podcast, we move from the hard court of the summer season to the pitch as we hit August. The training grounds are alive in early August as both men's and women's soccer players for Longwood return to Farmville looking to hit peak fitness and enter the season in top form. Our focus today is on the women's soccer program, a club that is in its 25th year of existence under the founder of the program at head coach, the reigning Big South Coach of the Year, and Todd Dyer. Now, last season saw the women's soccer program come within one goal of winning the Big South Championship, dropping to the High Point Panthers 1-0 in the Big South Championship match. Our next guest on the What the Elwood podcast was as instrumental as anyone in Longwood's success last season on the pitch, women's soccer associate head coach, Rich Stoneman. Coach Stoneman, or at Stoneman FC, as he is on Twitter, he is as passionate about the women's soccer program as anyone can be. He handles a ton of the recruiting, coaches the goalkeepers, and handles camps, and he has even assisted with coaching up the keepers for the men's side. Stoneman has been a college coach for a decade and a half and has truly carved out himself as a Longwood man. Let's hear from the man who is always in top form, women's soccer associate head coach, Rich Stoneman. You're entering your sixth season at Longwood. You've been all around the country. I mean, going through your resume, you've got stops at Byford University in North Carolina, Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Louisiana Tech, Baylor. And then going back to your playing days, you were in the state of Oklahoma. So looking at your resume, uh, what all has happened to get you here to Longwood when you, when you kind of wrap it up for people who are just meeting you? Uh, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a great journey. Um, you know, I played at, you know, Oklahoma City University, and it was just a great, great opportunity to play with college teammates that I grew up with. Um, you know, we had some success as a team. We, you know, we, we, built, uh, we built a program there and uh, left it in good hands and, um, you know, didn't really want to get into coach and wanted to, be an administrator at high school and maybe coach high school and left college my senior year to go play and uh, didn't finish my degree. Uh, you know, unfortunately tore my knee out and um, in Kansas City and uh, moving forward, it was kind of like, what's what's next? What's next? And my college coach offered me opportunity to come back and finish my degree. That, and that's how I got into coaching. And, you know, I had I think I had such a great experience playing with the friendships uh, the leadership, the you know, the things, the lessons you learn in life through athletics, that really just wanted me to get back into college coaching, led me into college coaching, um, and w- want to make sure that the players that play for us here at Longwood have the opportunity to have those same experiences. You know, the friendships, the you know, the cohesiveness, the the fighting through the battles to you know to see really find out who you are underneath. Well, growing up, was soccer always a big part of your life? Are you a football lifer? Uh, I am football lifer. It's 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 been great. We, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, 
you know, we got to uh, growing up of overseas in the UK and, and Newcastle Gateshead, England, um, always was around it. My older brother played, uh, I played my, you know, I, I emulated, tried to emulate my older brother and he was really good and he got to go to the Newcastle Academy and um, I just tried to emulate him and what he was doing and uh, you know, so yeah, it was always part, part of our family's tradition as well. Well, I mean, anyone who listens to your accent, they can tell, obviously, you're from Fayetteville, North Carolina, of course. Right. But right, no, but right. seriously, going overseas and, and growing up, kind of having two homes like that, I mean, what was that like as a kid? So how often were you in the States? How often were you uh, over in England? Just got to, I mean, really got to go, you know, fortunate enough, my dad is, you know, American military, and we, um, you know, was was born in the UK, traveled back here. My dad is from, you know, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and, uh, you know, so it was, we we were born over there and my older brother still lives there. It's just a great experience to, to be able to live over there and travel. And, uh, you know, we got to, you know, I got to be on a youth club team that, that traveled the world, got to go to Greece, got to go to uh, Sweden, you know, um, Iceland when we were younger. So yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I mean, for me as an outsider, I always look at the club academies, especially overseas as almost being like professional ranks for guys who are 14 and 15 years old. I mean, what was your experience, uh, playing, youth and playing in those leagues yeah i mean it was it was great you know you've got the you got the club teams here over there you got the county teams you got you got and then you get into the club system and uh it was it was just a great experience uh you know great competition i uh, had had a few good looks by some by some clubs as a younger age and uh finally got on with gateshead newcastle academy went to play in the dallas cup over here in dallas fort worth and uh, that's kind of how we got uh, i got noticed and got recognized well you've been recognized uh, here at Longwood for your you're working with the goalkeepers that's really how a lot of people know you uh were you a decent keeper in your day I was I was okay I could hold right. my, I could hold my own <laughs> I uh yeah I you know I think my college teammates would tell you I, I was good I was a little over aggressive at times but no I, I could I could hold my own I could win us games if it needed to be how often do you take your own playing experience into your coaching experience yeah, I mean, on a daily basis, it's uh, you know you you recognize those lessons you learn, those those things that you did, you know, playing in college, playing in pro, playing in, in the minor leagues, and you know the USISL, the A League, and and you take those lessons that you learn, those 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 sessions that were fun, those sessions that were tough, and you try and incorporate those into what you're doing here at Longwood. Yeah. Now, for you, I mean, you mentioned that you got the chance to play professionally getting drafted, getting into professional soccer, what was that first experience like when you realized, okay, I actually can do this? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, number one, it was exciting. Um, it was kind of like being struck by lightning, getting that opportunity. It's it's a rarity. Uh, I, I'd actually thought I was going to go out to California and then got picked up in the supplemental draft by Dallas Byrne and uh, the late Tony DeChico was someone that evaluated me at a, you know, at a combine and, you know, got picked up there it was it's just an awesome experience you, you know you're lucky to get to do what you do back then they only carried three goalkeepers uh, and they had an a team and a b team so um you know just just the opportunity itself arose and you know got the opportunity to take it and spent a year in dallas and a year in kansas city and um played very minimal minutes but uh you know hey got the opportunity so i had to take it one thing i've always heard about keepers is that you have to be vocal. You have to be kind of aggressive in your face with a lot of other players. I think of like how Tim Howard and Hope Solo, very aggressive personalities, A-type personalities. Does that really hold true with a lot of goalkeepers? Uh, for the great ones, I would think yes. Yeah. Um, for the good ones, maybe, maybe not. Um, I think there's, 
you know, people always say, you know, goalkeepers are, are, are off kilter or things like that, but no, I don't think they are. I think they're more demanding. I think they see the game for what it truly is from back where they are. They they see things developing and, you know, you just have to make sure you, you can control the controllables. And, you know, when the when it breaks down from the 10 players in front of you, that's when you've got to do your job. When they don't do their job, you have to come up and do your job. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a mentality. Uh, there's there's a certain mentality that you have to have. And uh, I think that if you look at the great goalkeepers, people would call them nutters. They're, they're little nuts upstairs. <laughs> Well, you had a great one last year in Maria Kirby. What was what was kind of her profile? Well, you know, Kirby, Kirby, you know, everyone's, you know, Kirby was a good goalkeeper. Kirby was a good goalkeeper, and, you know, it was a long journey for her. We, we, we watched film on this kid out of Jersey, and it came down between her and a kid from actually from Dallas-Fort Worth, and we went with the kid from Jersey, and it was a building process. She was a great athlete. She had a, you know, she had a great mindset. She was very, very athletic. I think she could play any sport here at Longwood and do well. Um, but the mentality part, we had to work. We had to work on. We had to, you know, we had to help her grow. We had to help her develop. We had to, we had to polish her up technically, tactically a bit. But she was such a great athlete that you know she could make saves that most guys couldn't make. And you know, and it's just, uh, it just worked out. And uh, you know, she didn't play a whole lot her first two years. And we, we had a, we had a couple of. We call it come to come to Jesus speaks and uh, talks and uh, and uh, she you know she ha either had to buy in or or you know we were gonna figure something out with another recruit and she chose to buy to buy into everything we were doing and you know I'm grateful and the funny part is is now she's uh, she's gonna be a graduate assistant at Eastern University right outside <laughs> of Philadelphia and she's she's a goalkeeping coach so she's uh, she and I have. <laughs> been uh, exchanging a lot of phone calls and text messages and emails about drills she says she couldn't really remember all of them because she all she remembered was passing out through them so you know. <laughs> well now I mean you look at last year's team a championship team I mean you guys made it to the championship match against High Point and obviously Marie Kirby big part of it one of the best keepers in the conference a season ago Sydney Wallace on the back line Emily Cups of a strong finisher up front you had Janice Quick helping keep the midfield organized I mean, thinking back to last year's team, what was the big, what was the big part of just getting that success? Was it all the players? Was it the system? I mean, what went into having such a great season last year? Yeah, I think I think when you have a great season, you got to look at you know three factors, and the factors are you're only as good as your senior leadership. Uh, with Quick, Kirby, uh, Teresa Fruchterman, Jenna Tomiko, those three. Uh, you know, led us, um, carried us, you know, helped develop. They've been here for four years. The other thing is you got to look at the players that are playing in the system. And I think we're we're a very athletic team. We can play a myriad of, of formations. Uh, we've got players that can play a myriad of, you know, positions on the field so that that gives us more depth. It gives us more ability to, to change the, the surprise factor, so to speak. And, you know, third being is just team chemistry and, you, every, that, and that's such a big word nowadays in college athletics. People always talk about, oh, we're family, we're, we've got great team chemistry. But really, do you? And all the kids really, truly bought in. And uh, I think we've, you know, Coach Dyer's been here for 25 years, and he's done a great job of establishing that. I think I've been able to come in here and, and add to that. We recruit the players. Um, you know, I, I always say i got a great boss, i got great kids, and we've got a great, great thing going on here. So you have to buy into what we're doing and how we're doing it. But you've got to get the right kids, the right players, with that right mentality. And, and I think we've got that here. Well, we're recording this before you guys get into uh, your preseason 
uh, players are reporting tomorrow. So before anyone gets to campus, before we even really know what it's going to be, looking at the roster on paper, what you have coming back after losing your seniors from last year, how do you guys replicate the success that you had last year? Uh, well, I can tell you it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've done it on with teams I've played with on college. I've done it at other universities where I've worked at and won championships. It's, um, it's, it's the year after you have success is a little bit harder. You know, uh, you not only do you have to buy in and put in the work, but yeah, you, you have you have to put in more work. You have to put, you know, you have to do things. You have to do little things more. Um, you have to take care of yourself more uh, because we went from being, you know, the you know the hunter to the hunted. And, uh, you know, and now everyone wants to – everyone's going to go at us because we had success. And uh, everyone's going to come at us a little bit harder this year. Uh, but I think with our senior leadership this year, there's seven of them. I, I, I call them the magnificent seven. Uh, they're, they're great girls. I mean, you got, you know, Sydney Wallace um, obviously can hold down the back. you got Amber Hodges who will, you know, will run through a brick wall for her teammates. Um, you know, you Paige Robertson up up top, out wide. She's always going to work. She's always going to sacrifice herself for for what we're doing. Uh, you got Cat Miller, who sets the standard for us um, when it comes to fitness and and playing. You've got Cheyenne Stretz, who's who's going to be strong uh, up top for us, scoring goals left and right. Um, um, and then you know, and, and as as all of those girls, Kelly Almeida is probably our most technical, tactical player in the midfield. And then, you know, I mean, and just with that leadership, you've, you know, you've got so many that that will pop in and, you know, and, and can lead us in many different ways. And you have so many new players coming in as well. Seven new players. Obviously, you haven't gotten them on campus yet, but off the top of your head, do you, do you think uh, any of them can be instant impact players? Um, well, you know, as a coach, you always, you know, you, you try not to rely on freshmen, but sometimes it happens. Uh, and through the recruiting process, the college game's a little is a little faster, bigger, stronger. Um, but I think we've got some players coming in that will help us. Uh, I think it's going to take some time for them to to really adapt to the game, to the speed, uh, to the physicality of of where we are and and how we do things. But I think there's definitely a couple that are in there that will definitely help us. Um, I, I don't want to say any names up front, but. Uh, you know, because you never want to jinx yourself. But no, <laughs> right. there's, you know, in the recruiting process, you always recruit players that can help you. Um, no, but I, I would think out of the seven coming in, yeah, there's there's going to be some players that are going to step up and uh, and help us, whether that's at the beginning of the season or or later on. So you kind of went through what I was going to ask next, uh, just kind of looking at your seniors with Annie Boros, Kelly Almeida, Catherine Miller, Amber Hodges, Sidney Wallace, Paige Robertson, and Cheyenne Stretz. I'm looking at a piece of paper. I can't remember all those names off the top of my head. You are a coach. I am not. So, Coach, with your seniors, you mentioned just kind of what they're going to do individually. But as a group, what is going to be the message coming from them? Are, are you going to kind of get on them and force them to take leadership or you just step back and let them do their own thing? I, I think, you know, you, you got people like, you know, Annie Boros, uh, Kelly Almeida, Kat Miller, Amber Hodges, Sydney Wallace, Paige Robertson, uh, Cheyenne Stretz. Those girls, those girls know what they've been through for four years. They know what they've worked for. They know what they've built. I think those seven players have the ability to leave a legacy, and I think they're aware of that, and, and they want to do that. Um, you know, you're only going to be as good as your, your senior leadership, and I don't think it gets any better than those seven. So you go from four seniors last year to seven this year. Yep. And now looking at this, this is the 25th year of the program. 
Um, this founder, Todd Dyer, is the head coach. How, how special is that, having a head coach who started the program? He's been here for 25 years. Working with him every day, what, what is that? You're, you're back and forth with Coach Dyer. Well, first and foremost, you know, 25 years, having the same coach at some place, that stability is, is kind of unheard of in college athletics now. Uh, I think that's an advantage. That's something special that we have here. Uh, but first and foremost, I mean, we're, we're great friends often on the on the field on the sidelines we, we we you know we work very well together we we see things you know very very similar when it comes to the game when it comes to recruiting players we know what we need to do he's done a great job of establishing uh, and building this program and he's laid the foundation and and the pillars and you know I'm just here to help out with the furniture and clean the windows and <laughs> make sure the roof doesn't leak but we've got a great we've got a great leader in, in coach Dyer uh, great friend, great leader, uh, and he's a great father figure. You know, having his daughter, his daughter played for us. And again, people always preach family when it comes to college athletics nowadays. And sometimes there's not a whole lot of truth in that. And the fact that his daughter, you know, played for us, Kylie's awesome. She works in the athletic department now. You've got his wife that played basketball, softball here. He played and he played here and still helped started the program here. So there's a lot of truth behind the word family here at Longwood when it comes to women's soccer. Well, I mean, you've mentioned to me off air that you guys are almost like an old married couple where you can just kind of read each other without <laughs> without using words at times. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's like it's the movie Grumpier Old Men at times, but it's, uh, no, we, we've, got a, we've got a good thing going here. And, um, you know, I think our players recognize the the, the relationship we have as, as coaches, you know, associate head coach, head coach, um, friends. They, they see us as friends as well, and, and I think that that's embedded uh, that's been embedded here for 25 years. Well, one thing that I remember you telling me once is that you view a lot of your players, really all your players, like little sisters. And for me, I mean, I have a couple of younger sisters, so I know what that relationship is like where sometimes you as a leader, you as the older one, is like, you say something, they don't always listen, but you try to make sure that you look out for them and they, you, you do the best for them. So getting to that point where in just four years where you can build that type of a relationship with all of your players – what what goes into that? Whew, it's, there's a lot of ups and downs. It's um, you know, there's you have to establish and build trust first and foremost. You've got to you know trust, uh, love of the game, love of the program, uh, the love you have for each other and what you're doing, and then finally, the you know the big word I always preach to them is is loyalty. And I think loyalty is one of the hardest things to come by in college athletics. Now, I think it's something that people. It's a word people overuse and, and don't follow through with the, the aspects that, that it takes to build loyalty and keep loyalty. And I think that's what we have here. We've got a group of seven seniors that are loyal to each other, loyal to their coaches, and loyal to their program. And it, you know, you're not always going to see eye to eye, but you're always going to have each other's backs. Well, for, for your players who do run into great success here at Longwood and afterward, uh, how much do you keep up with your players once they leave the program? <laughs> They're, um, you know, you, you, you talk to you talk to them and about them, like you said, like they're my little sisters. I'm the big brother that they probably never wanted to have. <laughs> but uh, no, we uh, we've established a great family tradition here. Um, the players that have graduated, you know, you, you know, you've done a good job as a coach when your players leave and they pick up the phone to call you. They send you a text. They send you an email. Um, they're they're constantly, you know, letting us know that they're watching. Um, and we do a great job of that every year. We have seniors write letters to the current team uh, about what their four years was like, what they learned, uh, what being a, a Longwood Lancer means. Uh, that way the current players get to hear from the players that, that established 
you know, because without them, they wouldn't be here. So now that we've hit some uh, legitimately good stuff, let's move on to the goofy and funny stuff that has nothing to do with soccer whatsoever. Well, <laughs> at least not long with soccer. All right. So going to this summer, you had a national team to root for. Now most people in the States, the U.S. national team, not a part of the World Cup. You had the English team. They played extremely well, made it to the semifinal, made it to the third place game. What were your thoughts of the English team during the World Cup? Absolutely. Uh, you know, going into it was very, very optimistic about the success. I think they had a, a young team that was very versatile. I think they had a number of players on that on that squad that could play at different different positions. Um, I thought that they were they were coached very well. Southgate's obviously done a great job taking over. He was he was a U twenty coach, so a lot of these younger players had played for him, so they they knew. And going into it, we were the youngest team in the World Cup, and you know, I mean. A, after watching them play, pretty op- pretty optimistic and was was really happy and you know with with how they ended you know obviously you you want to win it all because it's it's the World Cup and you know we didn't we didn't want to go out the way we went out but at the end of the day I think they did better than a lot of people gave them credit for. But I mean the belief was real. Seeing people and the reactions on social media on Twitter and hearing you coming around the office, it's coming home. home. It's coming home. home. It's coming. Yeah, no, I, it was uh, it was exciting. Um, you know, every four years, me and my college teammates, we get together and we go on a vacation, a holiday. This year, we went to Hilton Head, and you know, I had the replica World Cup trophy, and you know, we would go out to eat and we'd take it with us, and it was, just, I mean, it was just a great experience. And uh, but no, I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's a World Cup, man. Who who doesn't want to have fun with that? You know. Okay, so serious question: Where did you get that replica? Because that replica, I'm, I'm telling you, I've held it myself. It's weighted. It feels like the real thing. It looks like the real thing. I mean, if you would, if you had told me that that was from the German national team from 2014, I would have believed it because that looks like the real deal. Well, you know, I, I'm not gonna, re, you know, reveal reveal my sources of where <laughs> I got it from, but uh, the Germans, yeah, you may have may have gotten it from them. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But no, it's a great. I actually, a friend of mine coaches uh, teaches English in Japan. And when I was at East Carolina, I got this giant package, heavy package, with all this Japanese writing on it. And I opened it up, and it was it was from one of my college teammates. And he goes, came across this and thought you'd enjoy it. And uh, so every four years, I, I break it out, and it's uh, it's no, it's a. Uh, but you don't know how he came across it. Uh, I think he probably bought it off the black market. <laughs> he may have gotten it off the black market over there. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So when you look to uh, the way the World Cup went, and now World Cup's over. So now another four years until we get to the next, but club season is starting up. Premier League starts in, what's it, two weeks? A week. A week? Yeah, a week, I think, yeah. Are you excited for the EPL season? Always, always look forward to it. Me and Coach Dyer are always, you know, we're always watching, and uh, Coach Atkinson and, uh, you know, Johnny, Johnny's from Newcastle, so we're, we're Newcastle supporters through and through no matter how bad they do. And, <laughs> You know, no matter how cheap the owner gets, we're, we're still there to support them. But, yeah, just excited. Um, I think it's the it's the world's world's best league. And uh, every coach wants to coach in it. Everyone wants to see how well they can do. But, yeah, absolutely excited, ecstatic for the EPL to start. Now, you say New, Newcastle fan. Where do you think they're going to finish? Well, I hope they don't finish in the bottom two, I can tell you that. Uh, that that's, that's my hope every year that they don't get relegated because right. we've been there, done that. We, we, know how to, you know, we, know how to, we know how to get relegated really well. I, I think, 
you know, moving forward, I think the ownership's got to change and we've got to get, uh, you know, Rafa a little bit more money to, to buy some players. That, that way they can get back to the, to the glory days of, you know, being in the top five. I think next year we'll, we'll finish middle, middle table. Okay. Now, last year I, was, I just watched the EPL just on Saturdays as a neutral party, but I've decided to jump on a bandwagon myself. I'm going with Liverpool. You are. Okay. Am, I, am I wrong for that? Uh, you know, hey, it's hard to be perfect, you know, when you're <laughs> a Liverpool fan, but, um, you, know, hey, you know, Liverpool, I can see it. I can see it. I mean, Mo Salah really got me in, and, I mean, I play FIFA, and my guy on FIFA ended up in Liverpool. So I was like, all right, I'll root for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of good players go through Liverpool that have been at Newcastle. So, you know, who, <laughs> you know, if I had to pick a second team, they'd be my second team. Now for you, uh, obviously there are huge rivals, but if you just had to look across the EPL table and say, no, I can't stand that team regardless, even though they're not our natural rival, who would you say is that team? Uh, you know, I'm, Dyer's going to kill me, but I'd say Man U. <laughs> I mean, Man, Manchester United, Man City, they're like the Yankees. They got everything, got everyone. The expectation every year is that they win it. You know, I, I, you know, I go for the underdog. You know, one hundred percent. I grew up just couldn't stand Manchester United, yeah. and it had nothing to do with them being the Yankees and everything. It had yeah. everything to do with the fact that the Glazers, who own yeah. them, also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. And after the Bucks won their Super Bowl in two thousand three, they went all downhill and they stopped paying for players. So I'm right. like, okay, well, what are you guys doing over here? Yeah. Just leaving leaving the Bucks alone. So looking at uh, everything coming up this season. Talked about the British or the English national team, for the U.S. for their national team. Do these guys have a shot in four years? What do you think? Well, they're definitely going to be in the next World Cup, so they're definitely you know they got the 2022. They got they got the you know they'll definitely be in the next World Cup, and um, I think uh, first off you got you got hire a coach. You've gone they've gone a long dry season you know long dry season without having a coach. Uh, you've got they have to hire a coach to establish. The culture, uh, the and and get the players in there. Um, so I, I hope that they make it. I hope they do well. Uh, I hope the whole U.S. soccer system gets on the same page and starts doing things right for the players and just not right for what's 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 involved in the wallet in the pocket. You know, I think the system is it's money driven, not player driven, not development driven like it is overseas. And uh, you know, if if your parents got deep pockets, you're always going to be on the top team. Doesn't mean you're the top player. You know, but in regards to that, you've also got more options for athletics over here in the States than you do anywhere else in the country. So, you know, pick and choose and, uh, you know, hopefully they get it right. But I think they're going moving forward, you know, always huge U.S. supporter as well. And I you know, hope they get it right. Hope they get back to where they were. Well, as, as the men in Blazers say, the, the real World Cup starts in 2019 with the Women's World Cup coming up. Right. That's, that's one that the U.S. is actually good at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, looking at, at your resume, obviously you've been all over with college, but I mean, what, what have you done outside of just your work at universities working uh, in, in soccer across the U.S.? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've been, I've been blessed, been fortunate when, you know, I was at Louisiana Tech. I got to do, uh, you know, I, I got invited to observe the U.S. women's national team in Carson, California. Got to see how they do things, what they do, meet some of the coaches and, and players at the time. Um, you know, I, I've I've always been involved in the U.S. You know, USSF coaching courses, the license, the education aspect inside of things. Um, so you get to know and and meet a lot of people there. I work a ton of camps all over the country. You know, from you know Cal Berkeley to Clemson to Texas A&M to you know Virginia. Go to Virginia Tech here, East Carolina. Um, so there's you know South Florida. Um, so 
it's just that education part and you know you just kind of spread the word you know the, spread the lance of love so to speak you know everyone's like longwood where's that at and you know we're no longer a hidden gem you know in central virginia people know who we are and they know that we've had success and uh you know so it'll hopefully grow and continue to grow all right so coach stoneman last question for you what are your expectations for the 2018 season well, expectations are always high. I think with our senior leadership, the the magnificent seven, I think they've they know what they want to do. They know our expectations as coaches. I think the returning players are hungry. I think we got a taste of what we can accomplish. Um, we just have to finish the product. We just got to finish the product. I think it's going to be hard for us, but anything worth having is never easy. So. Anything that anything great that's been accomplished has never been accomplished without enthusiasm. I, you know, I forget who's who's who said that. I heard that this summer, and uh, you know, anything anything that you're going to do eventually, you should do immediately. And I think that's what this team is about. Event, you know, we're, we're no longer hey, we're we're going to get to the championship game. It's like we need to get there. We'll fight for it, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out in the end. And uh, but no, I think we've got the players, the tools, and the, and the leadership to get it done. Also got the coaching to get it done in Todd Dyer and associate head coach Rich Stoneman. Yeah. Appreciate your time, sir. All right. Take care. Enjoy. Cheers. Thanks again to Coach Stoneman for joining us today. Now, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud for all future episodes of the What the Elwood podcast. You can also go to longwoodlancers.com and search for podcasts under the Fan Zone section if you'd like to download any of our podcasts. If you want Longwood Athletic videos, subscribe to Longwood U Lancers on YouTube. Of course, Longwood Athletics is verified on Twitter. You can see some game day stuff on the gram as well. Hey, I appreciate y'all hanging along for the ride. Y'all take it easy, and we'll catch you next time on the What the Elwood podcast.